Wertes in der Kleinstadt Winden ein Junge auf mysteriöse Weise verschwunden. Die Frage ist nicht, wer die Kinder entführt hat, sondern wann. Das Ende ist der Anfang. Und der Anfang ist das Ende. Tick, tick. Du wirst alles verstehen, wenn es an der Zeit ist zu verstehen. Tick, tick. Aber jede Entscheidung für etwas ist doch immer eine Entscheidung gegen etwas. Hello and welcome to Dark, a companion podcast to the Netflix TV series. I'm PB. I'm Mergles. And I'm Acorn. Wollen wir anfangen? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, Aegon. Yes, I cannot, I cannot wait. Um, he was my favorite character up until a couple of things. So, well, I shouldn't say favorite, but I was watching Ooh. the show like he's the only good person in the show. And then, of course, not oh. quite. Not, yeah. not That ended up not being true. But for a while it was. But before we dive in, I should remind you, this is a companion podcast, a retrospective, not a watch along. So if for some reason you've clicked on this, not having watched the whole thing Don't stop. Immediately go back, watch the whole show, and then come back and listen to the podcast. We've also chosen to run it as more of a discussion between friends. So we each take turns leading each week. We don't share our notes ahead of time. It means we won't always get the details right, but it should also lend for more surprises. And ultimately, we want you to feel like you're in our living room discussing right along with us. All right. I do have a question for this week. Ooh, okay. <gasps> yes. We haven't done a question in so long. I know. Aegon has something haunting him that is just out of reach his whole life. Is there something that you have had just out of reach that you can achieve? Something that is up to you to do? Or I want to say it's like a, a mystery, something you have been able to solve, but not all of us have that. But what is your thing that is just out of reach? I have two things that came to mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There was this game that I played as a kid called Riven. It's from the Myst series. It was super formative for me because it was a game that it's a puzzle game and it's like a, a still shot clicking game. So you navigate through these islands and you're trying to solve this mystery. Well, I never finished it and I spent years with it in the back of my brain. And finally, one day, years and years later, I came across a YouTube like playthrough series Yeah, and I ended up watching it and I finally got to the ending and I got to see how the game ended and It was, I remember that day perfectly. I was at like the dinner table. I remember the lighting. I remember what I was doing and how I felt. And it felt so magical being able to solve that mystery and finally see the game complete because yeah. it's been, it was sitting in my brain for so long. Yeah. Okay. That is the perfect answer. I have a couple of games like that too. Like I never finished Echo the Dolphin as a kid and I went back and I finished it a couple of years ago. Yeah. So that's, that's a really good answer. Uh, I like that. But what was your second one? Yeah, the second one is for the longest time, I've also struggled with being able to finish things. And I think a lot of my self-worth was wrapped up in my ability to finish mm. things, my creative projects. And for a long time, as we've talked about on this podcast, there's been a lot of struggles in my life, a lot of things I've had to deal with and come to terms to. And I think that impacted my ability to drive to completion. And so for the longest time, I, I even got to the point where I made lists of things I actually have accomplished in my life. And it was dumb stuff like a piece of art. I journaled for five days, you know, really dumb things, but I was trying really hard to make myself feel better that yeah. I actually wasn't worthless and I had finished things because I had all these grand plans in my mind of like, I want to write a novel. I want to write 10 yes. novels. I want to finish college, do all these other things. And A lot of them I wasn't able to accomplish, but I guess the good news is now that I am where I am in life, I feel like I am more equipped to be able to accomplish these dreams and I am setting out to do it. So I feel like I'm in the process of finishing those things I've always wanted to do. I also struggle with the completion of things and I actually think it's pretty common. I think people set out to do a thing and if they don't cross the finish line, all of the work that they've put in to reach that point that they're at now is worthless. A couple years ago, I don't think I was like, I, I didn't have a goal of being fit, but I was exercising daily. I think it was probably for uh, PTSD or something along those lines where that was the beginning of my journey. I was like, I think this is going to help my mental state if I'm exerting this energy every single day. So I would go for runs. And I think I started. So the fastest I had time I'd ever had in school 
when I was doing track and exercising every day and like in eighth grade and had no boobs and was like able to run fast was like <laughs> eight minutes and 30 seconds. That was like the fastest time I'd ever been able to run in a mile in. And then I started a couple of years ago, uh, probably like five or six years ago now, I just needed to get that energy out. Why don't I try running? I've never been a runner. I'm short. This is going to be a bit of a rant tangent, but I'd always been telling myself I'm not a runner because I didn't really enjoy it. I wasn't naturally good at it. So in my brain, I was like, okay, well then I'm not a runner. I'm, I must be something else. I did you, whatever. But I've been over the last couple of years saying, I want to do things that go against what I've always been telling myself. So I was like, time to start running then. Uh, so I got on the treadmill and I started walking because I couldn't run and I walked and I could only walk for like 12 minutes. And then I was like, oh God, I'm fucking, you know, I'm done. And I told myself just 10 minutes a day. And then slowly I'd be increasing that speed until I was running three miles a day and enjoying it and loving it. And I was like, this feels great. Three miles a day. That's insane. You know, especially <laughs> from where I came from. And then I started doing other types of exercise because that's just how it works with your brain. You know, you, you, you look at people who are, you know, exercising and posting crazy workouts every day on Instagram. And you're like, how the hell do I do that? How do you get the energy to do that? Well, you start small and then you love it. Your brain is like, I love this input. Give me more of that. And it just comes naturally. So for me, it, it, somebody who spent 10 minutes doing a workout and it was like, I had to, I had to really convince myself to do just 10 minutes. Suddenly I was finding myself looking forward to doing 45 minutes of a workout, which to me right now, cause I've fallen out of it blows my mind. I look back on that and go, how, how did you, how anyway? So I started doing other types of workout, like core workouts and stuff, hit wor workouts. And then I found myself running a mile faster and the, I hit one point where I hit like six minutes and 45 seconds a mile. <gasps> Never in my life did I ever think I could run that fast. Never. I had been telling myself I wasn't a runner my whole life. And then I fell off the, the workout wagon. I got hit with like a massive depression and I just like didn't do it. And I couldn't. And I remember berating myself so hard the next time I got on the treadmill, like I can't run fast anymore. And I, it's like my brain had just all that work I had done for years to get to that point was worthless now because I didn't keep up with it. I didn't reach yeah. that finish line. You know, I didn't, you know, and that's so stupid. Like for a good number of years, I still put in that work. You know, you still put in 40,000 words, even though you didn't finish your NaNoWriMo, you know, you didn't hit that 50, you still put in that work. Don't think it's all worthless just because you didn't hit whatever finish line, you know, you had set for yourself. So now I'm trying to enjoy the process yeah. to that goal, whatever that goal is. Long tangent, I apologize, but an important one that I'm very fired up about, apparently. That is the lesson, though. And I think the word for that is momentum. And that's something yes. I struggled with my whole life. Is yeah. Momentum, keeping my momentum going and being able to accomplish things. But you're right. I think shifting your perspective more towards it's about the journey, not the destination, not yeah. the accomplishment as much. Yeah. It will help you enjoy enjoy the process and also just be generally happier with the process. Yeah. It's also just a good practice uh, to get your mind into so that you're thinking now. You're in the here and the now and you're not always time traveling. You're not always yeah. stuck looking on the future when I get this body or when I hit this goal or, you know, when I run my 5k, you can say, holy cow, I ran eight minutes today instead of 815. Or alternatively, and this one changed my life. <gasps> I ran 830 when yesterday I ran 815. That means I, my muscles are growing because I wasn't able to keep up with yesterday. That yeah. kind of mentality shift is so cool. You know, it's not like, oh, I didn't do better than I did yesterday. Well, you can't always, you're not always going to be able to do that. But why, you know, like Mergs, what about you? <laughs> do you have something that's just out of reach? Yeah, yeah. It's funny that you brought that up because my my answer, which I was going to immediately, um, immediately disclaimer about being kind of ridiculous was like physical health and, and working out and like uh, taking yeah. care of myself physically. It's something that I have always, always struggled with. Like when I was a kid, I was pretty sick and I had asthma. And so like there was a lot of times when I, I just have a lot of bad memories of being physically active. Yeah. Whether I was having an asthma attack or like people being mean to me about it. And it's, it is something that I struggle with because I know that the difference between me, like feeling proud of myself and working out and having that energy and 
feeling good about myself in that regard is literally just me spending 10 minutes today yeah. doing something. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, it's like an inter insurmountable mountain some yes, sometimes. Is. And I remember like I had a very bad depression a few years ago and I was the same peeps where I was like, I'm not a runner. I can't yeah. run. I have asthma. Uh, I'm slow. I just I don't have it in me. I remember when you did this. Yeah. Yeah. It just uh, like I just one day my anxiety was so bad and I was like, I'm going for a run. And I literally just imagined putting all of my problems into a box and leaving it at my door and literally running away from it. And my goal with running was not to be fast. My goal was not even to run for very long. <laughs> my goal was just to go outside and run for as long as I could listen to maybe two songs and then take a lap and then come back. I explicitly avoided any running apps, which recorded how long I went. I avoided knowing how many kilometers I'd done or anything like that. Like I didn't want to track it and I didn't want to compete with myself. I just wanted to like do what I could do that day. And that really changed my perspective on working out because I realized that I wasn't really motivated by competing. It wasn't, uh, you know, it, it made me feel like nervous to think like, oh, I'm recording how long this is going to take me or, you know, something like that. So it's a process for me. I still right now I'm trying to do yoga every day if I can. Nice. And I did three days this week. Good which job. I think is really exciting. Yeah. That's so <laughs> um, good. The two times in my life that I've had like really consistent positive experiences with working out was when I did this yoga DVD every day for a month when I was 21 <laughs> and noticed such noticed an actual change in my flexibility, which was super cool for me. And then the running experience. And I think it's different because I never had a good example previously of a time where I did I did work out and I noticed results and saw that I did have control over my body. I also had a personal trainer there for a while and yeah, that was super awesome. That, yeah. And I remember feeling stronger and like seeing muscles and stuff and that was cool. But it's just one of those things that's always been out of reach. And this is so stupid and I'm I'm not sure whether I should include it. But I remember when my stepdad and my mom got into CrossFit and I remember my stepdad saying something to me about how like I would take to the working out of CrossFit extremely well, I would be so lean, you know, like he just started talking about like what what I would look like or Ooh, be like Jesus. if I had worked out more or if I'd like gotten into CrossFit. And it's just like a weird thing where I don't know if that motivates me. It's more like it's almost more like a demon of like the person that I could be if I just had if I just did these things. If I just you know wasn't I mean? depressed, <laughs> if I just wasn't depressed or yeah. if I just wasn't like if I was just better. Yeah. Then I could be this, but I'm not. So I can't ever be, you know, and it's just like this weird like I don't know. That's really important to today's discussion. Because I think that that is the cornerstone of Aegon, but also all of us. We all have a white devil that is just out of reach. And I think with that, we can go right into talking about Aegon. Yeah, let's do it. Hell yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to do a recap here from dark.netflix.io because we love it and we use it a lot, especially for our recaps. So Aegon Tiedemann believes in the power of good, both personally and in his work as a policeman. Claudia is his daughter, making Regina Tiedemann his granddaughter. When young Helg Doppler disappears, Aegon has a hunch it has something to do with a strange man who had recently asked about him at the station. Aegon finds the man, secretly Ulrich Nielsen from 2019, covered in blood near the caves and places him under arrest. In June 1954, a woman arrives in Winden, calling herself Katarina, but she's actually Hannah Conwald from 2020. Aegon begins having an affair with her, but things fall apart when she falls pregnant. To add insult to injury, Doris finds out about the betrayal and decides to leave Aegon. Hannah travels to 1988 and gives birth to Celia. Aegon is unaware of his daughter's existence. In 1986, Aegon is preparing for retirement. He is living alone and drinking far too much. His daughter Claudia barely has time for him and he seems like a relic from the past at the police station. He's asked to investigate a flock of sheep found dead in a field. Aegon is keeping close tabs on the rebellious teenager Ulrich, who he thinks is a Satanist, and he finds vaguely familiar, but he can't place why. 
Ulrich, on the other hand, can't stand Aegon and blames him for never finding his brother Mads. When Aegon receives word from Hannah that Ulrich raped his girlfriend Katarina, he doesn't hesitate to have the teen arrested. But Katarina's denial of the allegations forces Aegon to let him go. Aegon investigates Mads' disappearance. He wants to ask Helg Doppler why he took a different route home on the night the boy went missing, but he never gets the chance. Years later, Ulrich comes across a note from Aegon in the police archive that leads them to Helg. Shortly after retiring, Aegon receives a shocking cancer diagnosis. He suddenly has renewed interest in solving crime of the cases that evaded him during his career. He can't stop thinking about Mads Nielsen investigation. He questions Helg as well as the man he arrested in 1953 and had committed to the psychiatric facility. When the man identifies himself as Ulrich Nielsen, Aegon finally begins to understand a link between all of the mysterious cases, time travel. Claudia Tiedemann learns of her father's death when she first travels to the future. The newspaper archives reveal that Aegon was found dead in his apartment on June 27, 1987. When Claudia returns to 1987, she tries to convince her father to move in with her and her daughter Regina. The conversation ends in conflict, and Aegon falls, striking his head hard and dying shortly thereafter. And that is a recap of Aegon Tiedemann. Now, there are a couple of things that are really important here with Aegon. Multiple instances of things being just out of his reach. Cases that he hasn't been able to solve. Ulrich being just out of out of reach for him. The idea that he recognizes him but can't place why. His own happiness. Lots of things with Aegon are just out of reach. So I'd like to talk about his cancer diagnosis first and how it parallels and mirrors Regina, his uh, granddaughter. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a weird place to start, but I think we can work backwards from there. I am so ridiculous. How did I never put I those two things together, dude? You I know. were just saying that just now? Yeah. And I never considered that at yeah. all. A same. Yeah. I'm like <laughs> my brain is Sorry going back screaming. through the show going. Yeah, it's okay. But I was wow. like oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a second. And then how hard it must be to look from Claudia's perspective to know ahead of time she's going to lose her dad to cancer and then also her daughter to cancer. Wow. Yeah. Talk about a driving force. Yeah. Yeah. In her life. Yeah. And there's a lot of overlap into some Claudia stuff here with Aegon, but I do f still feel he deserves his own episode. And I, <laughs> I started my rewatch and was like, oh, shit. He deserves it way more than I even originally thought, especially if we're looking at the macro view of everybody and what their place is in the timeline, but also what their existence means in the macro view of uh, Tanhouse's world. Then I right. think Aegon is far more connected to Regina than we originally anticipated. So Aegon dying of cancer, if we look at the timeline and the truth and everything that's happening being a cancer, it's been sitting inside him this whole time growing. Yeah. It's incredibly interesting that he gets closure just before it. Like he doesn't die from cancer. He is dying of cancer, but that is right. not in fact what kills him. It is a literal knock on the head. <laughs> Blunt trauma. Blunt trauma. The moment he makes the realization that time travel is real. When he has his own metaphorical blunt trauma and realizes that everything is true, then he Doesn't dies. Doesn't Claudia kill him though? No. She, like they get into a physical fight and... She he... doesn't do it on purpose. He falls well, yeah. and hits his head, but she does look at him and then look at the phone. She yeah. decides not to help him. Yeah. Now, there are a couple of things in that scene that I think are interesting because at first you think she doesn't call and you think that it's cruel, but I think she's submitting to the timeline there. She's already working towards undoing, truly undoing the loop in that moment. So she's like, I have to leave it because if I change it, I can't be the one to finally undo everything and save yeah. Regina and my family. It's her Adam moment. But I don't think it's born out of if I let him live, he has discovered the truth, which is what they make it look like in the show in the beginning. They yeah, make they it, do. They make it look like she's like, oh, but if he lives, then I'm an, I will have trouble. I don't think it's that. I think it's literally like, well, I saw it in the paper. I can't undo it. I've done it this way before, so I have to do the hard thing of not letting it happen. But yeah. I also think what's just something really interesting that I saw during my rewatch of this is um, the, the kitchen scene here. When Aegon like falls and hits his head, there's a lot of cool cinematography that they've done here. I wonder what the fucking wallpaper is in this house. 
because we Aegon's house. Yeah, Aegon's house. Before we before we started this episode, I was just gushing a little bit about cinematography, and we discovered something that we're going to talk about later in the cinematography episode, and, and that is the wallpaper in a couple of the scenes of the other houses. So I'm wondering now what the wallpaper is in this scene in Aegon's house. In this scene, Aegon casts a shadow. Claudia does not. Just in this scene where you can see them both in the kitchen and she's talking and he's he's opening the drawer, which I just thought when I was watching it, I went, oh, that's interesting because Claudia says she's team light. Yeah. And I just thought that was super cool. And um, I also thought it was really neat. This scene got me spiraling about windows in dark. So now I am on a rabbit hole trying to look for dual windows. So again, I'll put this in the show notes, but you can see there are two windows. Claudia's on one side, Aegon's on the other side, and, you know, a bar separates them. And I became obsessed thinking, oh no, I bet there are lots of dual windows in dark. And again, I'll talk about it more later, but this scene in particular has what started me on that spiral. There are a couple of other really interesting things with Aegon in his, you know, quest to discover the truth. And that is that he finally relinquishes to the idea that time travel exists without finite proof which I think is really interesting. I also think Aegon represents us, the viewer. In the whole realm of Tan House's world, I think Aegon potentially represents us as we are slowly watching everything and getting evidence, concrete evidence, and then we make the realization and then we die and or wake up. We are released. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's super interesting. Yeah, and I can't tell if that's because that's sort of what I did in Gone. So that's fresh in my brain. So yeah. when I'm watching the show, I'm realizing, oh, shoot. When you realize you're dead, you wake up from the dream. Aegon realizes yep. the truth yeah. and then he dies and or potentially wakes up and is released from this cyclical hell. And he's the only one. He's one of the only ones that gets released. And there's almost I don't know like if a I'm metaphor on that one. Yeah. Sorry. Like, I don't I don't know if I, I definitely see where the Egon as us can be perceived there, because mm -hmm. I think of all the characters, he's the one that is the most curious about what's happening without yeah. without like, I don't think his stuff feels as poisoned as everybody else. Yeah. But I, I also feel as though he he succumbs to and has a position in the timeline and is not entirely innocent himself either about certain things. Um, and I think in the beginning, I definitely agree with you, but yeah. he definitely starts to succumb to certain stuff, like especially his relationship with Hannah. Um, he's, and but he, he's, you don't think he's a victim of the timeline? I mean, Oh, everybody is in yeah. terms of like, yeah. Yeah. But it, it, in that way, then I'd say that maybe I'm not I'm not so 100 percent on board of him being a representative of us because he is as a victim of the timeline as everybody else. But aren't we as well? We as the viewer are also victim to the timeline. We're just as involved <laughs> as the characters in the show. And I didn't realize this until that most recent uh, Reddit post pointing me to the fact that exact scenes in this show are replicated in a play. That I went, oh my goodness gracious. They show us the play with Ariadne's thread. They show us the audience. They show Katarina crossing the barrier between audience or actor. When she went up on stage. When she went up on stage. Martha. Yep. To comfort Martha. And then they also do it again at the very final scene. Where it's like, will they remember us? Who do you think they're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. It's a crazy tin hat theory. But it's just an interesting one, I think. Do I think no, it's a thousand percent? Do I think it's the main point that they were making in the show? No, but I think it's an interesting way to look at it. I guess the only thing I mm. I mean, I, I agree with you on every single point of that. The only one is I'm maybe not sure I'm on board with Egon being the uh, audience represented uh, yeah. representative in this scenario. Yeah. But I'd have to Who else would it be? then again. I mean, I feel like the show wants it to be Jonas. We can't which be Jonas. I think has I know. I think that has yeah. incredible, uh, I think that definitely changes and, and carries some incredible consequences. But I do think it could be interesting if they are implying, I don't know, I have to rewatch, like yeah. I'm starting my rewatch and I have to continue my rewatch because yeah. I think there definitely is, I mean, across the board in all media, there's always an audience representative in yep. everything. So I'm sure there is. What about So Regina? I would have to deep dive on, deep See, dive on that. See, I think that too. I think Regina is also potentially the audience. So I'm, I'm mm -hmm. on the fence. And also, strangely, Tenhouse. 
because Tannhaus is the one figure where like all of this has come from him and yeah. we each have that power within us. You know, I, I feel like especially in and I keep coming back to this Instagram post that one of the writers made about how they were diving into spiritualism and philosophy and all this stuff to tell a story. I keep coming back to the idea that it's about maybe loss or taking somebody through that experience. It's about understanding and letting go and like all of these things. Again, I just wrapped a show that went on for nine freaking months that was about all of these things. So it's entirely possible I'm projectile vomiting all over the place, <laughs> you know, where I'm like, oh, that was in our show too. And I'm seeing a lot of parallels because it's just on the brain. So it's, that's also I entirely possible. I mean, I don't think that's what you're doing. I think I'm doing it to a little, a little bit of a degree. Yeah. Thousand percent on board with it being Tanhouse. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying, you wait, I, I'm just you curious. A thousand percent on Tanhouse, but not Aegon, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, so I need to think about that more because you are probably correct. You are in the middle of your watch through and yeah. you have uh, a lot of research down on Egon. And I would say, especially in the early season, in first season, I can totally see it. Yeah. So um, here's another thing, yeah. right? He finds out the shit we do at the same time. That's another part of my theory. In season one, he's entirely in the dark. In Dude, that's totally that's totally true because he's yeah. investigating it, mm -hmm. and he yeah. and he when can't he finds the, the kids, answer. that's mm -hmm. when we, we find, find the kids. kids. Yeah, 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 so, yeah, 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 yeah. And then in in season two, he finds out about Claudia. We're suspecting it, but the moment he discovers it is when it's confirmed for us as well. I, I think he well, finds no, out a little see, bit later than Claudia us. Doing we see Claudia doing all the stuff leading Sometimes, up sometimes, but we're like, oh god, she's the white. We find out the same episode he finds out. I, I believe. Oh. Like we get actual confirmation yeah. either the same episode or the same season. And we're like, holy shit, she's the white devil. Aegon, look out. And they do that thing where we are like, look out. But Aegon's already suspecting it. He just doesn't have concrete evidence. But he finds out when we find out. And He's then, also the only character in the show who finds out on his own accord without yes. someone telling him or yep. like or he's the only him. one that goes the extra yeah. mile to yeah. admit that something is afoot. Whereas yes. everyone else is like, oh, my literal own self just came to me and told me time travel's real. Yeah, like um, I needed the evidence right in front of me. Yeah. Whereas Aegon is looking at all the pieces and then he goes, well, this must be true. And yep. and he does. You're selling me. You're selling I, me. <laughs> he has a couple of lines that's that sort of just tipped the edge for me. Yeah. Stuff that we, the audience, would say if we were in that position, like he comments on Claudia's dog and he goes, that looks just like Gretchen. He is acknowledging that is weird and I'm not going to ignore it. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I it's, mean, I'm. It's a I'm theory. With you. Yeah. It's a great theory. Uh, again, there are a couple of moments where he is like on the cusp of figuring it out, or he thinks he has it figured out, and then they throw a curveball, and that's like not actually the case, which happens to us, the viewer, throughout the whole show, right? Yeah. I think what what also really sells me it's his bloodline that is removed. Right. Yep. We just we discovered mm. a long time ago that Regina is the one outside of the loop. Well, he's her fucking grandfather. So yep. if Regina is symbolizing the audience, then then mirrored generationally. So is the grandfather. Yeah, that's Especially, where my brain went mm -hmm. when you first started talking about Aegon representing the audience, because I was thinking, well, Claudia is outside of the plot trying to get out. Regina yeah. is removed and Aegon is the father and grandfather in this scenario. So it's like their whole family represents different points in our perspective as the viewer. Yeah. And if Regina, we said, is representing the audience or representing that origin world and she's dying of cancer. Of course she is. Yeah. Because everything around her is, is the timeline is sick. It's a disease. It's a cancer. So of course they're going to represent it by her dying of cancer. When I was doing the rewatch and I was like, fucking Aegon's dying of cancer. I was like, no, of course yeah. he is. Because he's in that same original timeline. He's in that same bloodline. He's dying of the sickness as well. He's just the only one. He's just trying to figure it out. He's trying to f find the solution. And he does it without somebody showing up on his doorstep. Kind of like we do. You know, we're just in there. And hold up. Yeah. Just just curious. Just I'm going to throw this out here. I know that it's definitely a side side point. But Egon, Claudia and Regina, they are definitely outside the timeline. We see at the very end in the last meal. But Bartosh is Noah and Agnes's father. Yeah. And Bartosh is deeply entrenched in the timeline. Yes. And very involved. 
which means that Alexander is also deeply entrenched in that timeline. And where does that fly in? Which I'm sure it's yeah. generational sickness. Egon is such a cool character in that I remember watching and going, he's the only like good, per, you know, quote air quotes, good person in this show where he's genuinely doing his best. He's yeah. trying and it's just not fucking working out for the guy. And until it's revealed, he's having an affair with Hannah. But yeah, the, when I, in my rewatch, I was like, oh shit, the closer he gets, he gets infected just like the rest of them. Like he falls victim to the timeline like everybody else. Like if you think of, and also Akon's like one of the only people that is literally standing in those red thread moments multiple times throughout the timeline. Yeah. Like he finds the kids. Yeah. He runs into Ulrich in the past. Yeah. He meets Hannah. He meets Hannah, has an affair with Hannah. And then his daughter is the one like, you know, Jedi of the situation. Like the when I was rewatching the Egon scenes, like literally every scene he's in nearly the person opposing him is wearing red. It's like inescapable. He cannot, he is intertwined in this red thread and cannot escape. Man, it's just, it's super, it's super interesting to to look at. But yeah, I have totally dominated this conversation. So does- No, that's, that's no, fine I because mean, I mean, what you just said makes me think he is the witness to yes. the red events, the red mm -hmm. thread, just like we are the witness yes. as the viewer too. Mm -hmm. And he's consistently brought in to some extent, like Agnes deliberately goes to live with them. Yes. You know, yep. and deliberately seduces Doris and then- Hannah comes back and seduces him. And this is terrible because, I mean, obviously everybody is responsible for their own fucking actions and he has an affair on his wife. I'm yeah. not I'm not excusing that at all. But that family line is the victim right. and has been generationally. Except I think for Claudia, because I think Claudia is the only it's like it's like Egon. Yes. And then Claudia is very she's very like ambitious mm -hmm. and uh, sort of cutthroat. She's a businesswoman. She's like the CEO of the nuclear power plant. Yeah. She finds out about the barrels. She's hiding it. She finds out about the God particle. She hides it. She yeah. decides to take everything on her own. And I wonder like where the break happens for her curiosity and her directiveness because she also ignores her dad. She's not in touch with him very much. Are you much. fucking ready for this? Hit me. So if we look at the yeah. world, mm -hmm. right? Aegon, dark. Regina, light, or two versions of the whole. Yeah. And Claudia's in the middle. Claudia represents origin world. Yep. Or at least and trying to get back to sides. that. Yep. Yep. So she's like, you've got this knot that's got Aegon and Regina tied up in it. They're dying of cancer. And Claudia is trying to undo the knot, essentially, to save, to save them. them all. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. So good. Oh, man. <laughs> I've been racked with insomnia this week, so I haven't even been able to watch all of the Aegon episodes that I wanted to watch, but I'm sure there's more. But what I did watch, got, guys, listen, if you haven't started your rewatch, well, you got to do it now because I'm fired back up again. Like okay. it was just the right <laughs> amount of time for us to then begin rewatching Dark because I'm like, I'm back in it, man. There's some yeah. stuff I've seen and it's the perfect time because it's it's coming up on the cinematography episode. So I'm like, holy shit. And this and that and all these other yeah. things that we talked about and the yellow and I'm seeing it everywhere. So yeah. if you're listening to this retrospective now is the perfect time for you to begin your rewatch because i can't stop seeing yellow it's everywhere <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's so crazy how they used that and the windows like Merkel's posted a i'm obsessed i sound like a crazy tin hat person but merg's just posted a in our discord which i will include in the show notes for this episode so you don't have to wait but she posted a photo and said on a random side note look at claudia's yellow ass apartment it's a scene with Aegon and Claudia. Now, look at this. Can you see Claudia? Can you see where Claudia's shadow is in this? You can't because it's hidden by the bar in the window, right? But you can certainly see Aegon's shadow. Now, also, look at where Aegon is positioned, dead center, in the middle of the two windows representing the two worlds, and he's standing in the middle. Fuck off, show. How? <laughs> Not to mention Claudia's wearing red, but, you know, he's just wrapped in a world of deception. Everything about her is a yep. lie. I cannot. I cannot. I'm all fired up, man. Sorry, I'm like literally no, now okay. I'm like looking up. The show okay, is so, so good, dude. I'm like, so the German word for get for yellow is gelb. 
And I'm like, what are the German words for lie? <laughs> like, lie is Luga. Luga. But is there like deception? How I'm I'm obsessed with this window theory. I'm going to, so I'm just going to let you all in on it because I'm going to go back and I'm going to look yeah. for all the windows. But for me, I saw moments of deception and then I saw the two windows side by side in the frame representing the two versions of the world, in my opinion. They're just doing this thing where they're literally showing us visually what they're also showing us yeah. metaphorically, yeah. right? Is yeah. that there's two yep. windows, there's two worlds, there's two yeah. ways in. And so I'm like, holy, I'm just, I'm barreling in, man. I'm excited. Which is like, oh my God, insert Charlie crazy conspiracy yeah. theory wall mode. Because yes. <laughs> well, it's there, man. Yeah. I'm looking forward to not only the rewatch because we're about halfway through the show and it's about yeah. time to refresh our memories and, and everything. But after everything we've talked about, Going back and rewatching and seeing it play out in front of us yeah. after discussing it, that is what I'm most looking forward to. The the other crazy thing about Aegon, too, is when he gets his cancer diagnosis, he wants to patch things up with Claudia. Right. And to me, I think of Tanhouse, I if I look at it as a representation of like loss and Tanhouse losing his kids, that's also a desire he has that is represented in Aegon. So mm -hmm. it's just like weird mirroring that they continue to do. Yeah, one of the craziest things for me is that scene. It was so tragic because I, I like you, loved Egon with yeah. all of my heart. I think it's interesting. They, they first introduce him through Ulrich's perspective, and he's consistently described as the drunk police chief who doesn't do anything. And then you get to know him and you realize sort of like how honestly kind of strapped he is. Like he's a pretty sad trapped man at the end like in his older age where he's just really held back by the things that he doesn't have a ton of control over yeah and i thought it was so tragic the way he died but like the fact that he tells claudia that she has no heart and then tells her you're the white devil and then dies yes yeah they they really build up a lot with claudia in the show her relationship with him is very sort of cold from the very beginning. I don't know if you felt this way as well, but when I watched the show, it felt very much like Claudia was kind of sociopathic at times. I, I relate very heavily to Claudia and Charlotte. I come from very neglectful home background, and that's what Aegon does to Claudia. He falls yeah. into his own sadness and he drinks and he is not emotionally available for her. So she grows up to be business focused, emotionally unavailable. And I th I honestly think that's what it is. I think Claudia there, she comes off sociopathic with her, but it's because she cannot emotionally connect to him because he wasn't there for her to connect when yeah. she was young. I didn't yeah. mean when she was an adult, though. I meant like as a child, which oh. is why I was like, maybe I should take this out because oh. I think that she seems very like emotionally closed off as a child in her interactions with her family and people around her. You think so? Um, she, yeah, I mean, that was my impression. Yeah, yeah, I, that, get, I, yeah I, I get what you're saying. To be fair, it has been a while since I watched it. I remember that that was my first impression was that she was kind of on the edge of mm -hmm. like very cold, non-revealing of emotion. She oh, does yeah. things, but but I don't, you don't ever see her sort of reveal her intentions or see her experience any like excitement I or joy or anything. She's very cold with Helg. She's very cold oh, with- Oh, I don't think that's true at all. Um, maybe because I no? just rewatched it. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, 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 I look back and, you know, she, she talks to Helg. I mean, she clearly like is- frustrated that her parents are making her tutor him like yeah. we can see that um we can see that she's interested in Trant when he arrives and they are intimate when they are so fucking young yeah we do see her desire uh, we see her yeah. chasing something that she wants and we also just see how smart and quick-witted she is and she even has a conversation where doesn't she have a conversation where they're like an adult tells her you're very smart you're gonna do well yeah it's her future husband no it's um yeah not future it, husband but rather it's, it's with uh, um Helg's father oh yeah and she has kind of an affair with him burnt yeah it's yeah. with burnt doppler and he gives her a dollar yes and he's like crouching down to talk to her and yeah 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 this is super fucked up but she doesn't get that attention from from Aegon because he's gone all the time 
And then Mr. Doppler sits down and is like, oh, you're so bright. You should use this gift. And then from that moment forward, she's constantly trying to win his affection and approval. So I I think personally, I do see desire in her and potentially maybe the child actress wasn't able to convey emotion quite like we're expecting to see. But in my opinion, she... I, I don't know. She doesn't strike me as a sociopath, quite like Helg. They imply that he was going to grow up to be a fucking killer anyway. Yeah, I feel like maybe the word sociopath is not necessarily what I wanted to use, which is why yeah. I was sort of tiptoeing on the edge of it. Yeah, she's yeah. very matter of fact and direct as a child. Yeah, I think that's kind of what you're picking up on. And when you think back on those episodes where Aegon is young and he's still married to Doris and Claudia is a child, he has that typical like 1950s police officer, very straight laced and and there's a male sphere and a female sphere and he's a little stern and like we were just talking about a little emotionally unavailable. So I think Claudia just absorbed a lot of those qualities and is yeah. just very reserved and straight, yeah. straightforward. Think about watching your mother continually like cook, fucking get everything ready. Dad comes home late, ends up having an affair. Mom leaves. Fuck, I'm not doing that. Yeah. So Claudia from a very young age is like, "Uh -uh, I'm not having any of that. I'm going to be a businesswoman. I'm going to be. I'm going to make something of myself. I'm going to be in control. Like it it all stems back to that. Like I I see a frightening amount of myself and my own issues in both Claudia and Charlotte and that workaholic when Claudia realizes I don't know my own daughter. Like I have done what my dad did. She has a moment where she's like, I fucking did it. I was mad at him for doing it to me when I was a kid. And then I turned around and did it. I threw myself into work. And it was too late. And it was too late. Regina was a teenager and she was like, hey, how about you skip school and we do something together? And she's like, uh, mom, (laughs) you fucking missed the window. Claudia, you fucking missed it. That's transition of when Regina starts doing her hair better and Claudia's like, why don't you do your hair? And then she straightens her hair and then Claudia's like, oh, do you want to hang out? Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that happens after she watches her dad die, right? Or does it happen before? This is really important. Yeah, it is really important. One second. Let me just double, triple check. Oh, wow. Listen, listen to this. 1986, middle-aged Claudia. Claudia has a teenage daughter, Regina, in whom she is obviously and openly disappointed. Ouch. That's from Does the that description wiki. come from the IO website? No, it's from the wiki. Ooh. But now I want to like go and check the IO because like, where did that come from? Yeah, I don't think she's disappointed. I think she's just so in her own her, her head's up her own ass that she just doesn't pay attention. It's right after Claudia digs up the time machine um, after she starts reading the book A Journey Through Time and finds her dog Gretchen. It's later that Egon goes to visit Claudia and tells her that he has cancer. And that's the first time that she hears that, I believe. So how hard must that have been to watch her dad try to connect with her when she had the same feelings earlier? Earlier that day. Yeah. She had the same conclusion about her own daughter. Yeah. Well, she does tell him that she's too busy. He can't show up unannounced and should set up an appointment with the secretary next week. He tells her he has cancer. He didn't want to worry her, but the cancer is spreading. Claudia is shocked and does not know what to say. He gets up to leave and she hugs him. And then she takes the time machine into the chamber and she travels to 2020. Now, I just want to go back to his death scene for a minute. Yeah. He admits his crazy theory to Claudia, which I think is really interesting since they have such an emotionally disconnected relationship. The fact Mm -hmm. that he's going to admit this, you know, essentially crackpot theory to her, like this is insane. And he's telling her and then they kind of have an argument and they fight for the phone because Aegon is going to call and have them search the caves. Right. And she just refuses to let that happen. And then that's when the fight happens. And she does call with literal blood on her hands. She calls. Oh, man. She he falls. She calls 911. They answer and say, wind in emergency services. How can I help you? And she just stares at him and doesn't say anything. And, and then hangs she up. hangs up. So, you know, again, what's crazy about this scene is that literally she has blood on her hands. Yes. You are responsible for this, for what has happened here, which is, I think, very extra interesting because Merg's had that impression. She kills him, right? No, it was an accident, but they really want you to understand that it is Claudia's fault or feel what she feels in that this is my fault and my responsibility. And she has literal blood on her hands during that And feeding into what you were saying about how you believe Claudia let it happen because she knew that Mm -hmm. the timeline had to continue. Mm -hmm. She quotes saying, you'll have to make sacrifices. Yeah. Yeah. And then she says everything will happen exactly the way it has happened. But if it goes right, she will live. Regina. So in that moment, she's letting her dad die to save her daughter. Yes. 
And I want to also pull in the fact that we've talked about the relationship Aegon and Claudia and how he was emotionally distant. She grew up to be emotionally distant with her daughter, Mm -hmm. but then kind of bookmarking that relationship when she was a child, as well as an old woman, when she's the white devil, Mm -hmm. she came to her dad and said, you're much too good of a person, Papa. The world doesn't deserve you. Yeah, I think she loves her father. There's no doubt in my mind that she loves her dad and her dad loves her. I just think they're emotionally distant because of what has happened to them. And I also yeah. think, again, that's something that's mirrored from, from Tenhouse, yeah, echoed down. And I think that's interesting because, especially if I'm looking at that Aegon line and Regina line representing Tenhouse's family, then mm-hmm. that makes sense because him and his son are also emotionally distant. So, of course, it's going to ripple down and mirror throughout their relationship. But then also we've talked about Regina being almost like a victim of the timeline. She's the she gets cancer. She gets bullied. She seems to have a lot of shit just dumped on her. Isn't it interesting that that line, how Claudia says, you're much too good of a person. The world doesn't deserve you. What if you changed it to this world doesn't deserve you? You're not meant to be here. Mm. There's a a very interesting dynamic happening in this argument right before Egon dies. And it's that he he tells her, you haven't changed. It's still all all about you. Yeah. Because she had just been telling him, no, don't don't tell anything about this to anyone because we have discovered this magical scientific thing. And you're yeah, going to ruin she's it like, for oh, what? For she, I think she literally even says like a, like uh, children, dead children are nothing compared to the scientific discovery, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Something like, like it's that. It's insane. Um, yeah. And he, he says this to her and is like, you, you haven't changed. And as you were talking about, you know, Tanhouse and the fight with his kids, it's almost as if in this scenario, Egon is his children and Claudia is Tanhouse. I, I have to show you one other thing that we will include in the show notes. I'm not saving it for the cinematography episode. Bam! Right as he's making the realization, what is he in? He's in the middle. Yeah. And one is dark, two is light. Wow. Yeah, it's insane. Mm-hmm. That, that is and actually that is insane. nuts, right? Yeah. That is the moment he's making the realization. And his next line is, why are you really here? And just for those listening, because I know I'm including it in the show notes, but I've just included a screenshot of the moment Aegon realizes, by the way, this entire conversation is happening in yellow light with Claudia. And as he realizes, he backs up and he is in the middle of three sections on the wall where one is completely in shadow. One has a light spill He's in the middle representing the origin world and the one on his left is shadow. The one on his right is world two, which is Marta alt world. And he's make as he's realizing what is happening and the gravity of the situation. He's smack dab in the middle, the reality he understands. And I think that they do that throughout the show quite a lot to show who is on in one world or the other world, or when people are close to realizing the truth that there are three worlds, not just two, is is really fucking cool. Well, she's wearing a white shirt. Yep. I wonder if there's any instances of her wearing white previous to this. Probably not. She's always worn those bold colors. Yeah. I would wager that this is one of the only scenes where she's wearing white and she transfers from bold colors to like white and then gray, dark, black gray post-apocalyptic tones as she's older as she becomes uh, camouflage within her environment and the people that she's manipulating on either side ultimately the way that i feel about egon is yeah again one of those characters who is a victim to the timeline who is relatively innocent who i believe is manipulated um by the people around him and i guess his greatest sin is ignorance or not ignorance, but his greatest sin is just accepting the things that happen, even though he knows that there's more and that he can figure it out. Settling. Yeah. And once he does, he's kind of punished for it. Wait a second. Yeah. Oh my God. We've been talking about Aegon, Claudia, and Regina so much. This didn't even occur to me. Regina is his granddaughter. She has Bartosh, but then he also has Celia with Hannah. And Bartosh and Celia yeah. give birth to Agnes and Noah. And Noah. And from Agnes came the Nielsens. Yeah. From Noah came the Dopplers. Is is Aegon basically like the 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 Tanhouse of this world 
from his line came everyone. Yes, that is then why we see the parallel of the broken, uh, emotionally distant through their timeline. Yeah. Claudia and blah, 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 because he's representing kind of like Tanhouse. And the idea that he's, he knows it. He knows something's wrong. He knows this doesn't, this world doesn't make sense. And he's constantly trying to figure it out, but it's just out of reach. It's like, yep. if we look at the theory that all of this is a kind of, I don't want to say a dream, but fractured dreamlike worlds that are mm -hmm. existing and running parallel or in tandem with this origin world, then yes, he sort of represents a Tannhaus-like character because he knows it. There's something wrong. There's an itch that he cannot scratch. And when he realizes it, he dies and wakes up. Yeah. It's just a wow. very interesting theory to look at for him. Yeah. Egon is one of the only characters that interacts with most the most time travelers, speaks mm -hmm. to them the most. He speaks oh, yeah, to Held. Uh, multiple times he speaks to Helga. He speaks to Ulrich. He speaks to Claudia. And there are a lot of scenes where he's on one side and they're on the other. When he goes to visit Helga at the hospital, he's sitting at the card table talking to Helga and Helga's on the other side, right? He does that with Ulrich where he sits on one side and Ulrich's on the other at the institution. Which, by the way, in rewatching that, I realized how fucking crazy that is. Because Ulrich admits to killing somebody but then they find out that Helg isn't actually dead and Helg yeah. doesn't say where he went or who kidnapped him so what crime did this guy actually commit I don't know that's actually bugged me and I don't know why yeah. they didn't let him well, go that's why he's in the psychiatric ward yeah that's why they put him there because they couldn't find out who he was but he's clearly yeah. insane admitting to a crime he potentially didn't commit yeah i think what happened is they blamed the other children's deaths on him but there's no evidence well no there's no evidence but it's also 1950 and he's the chief and whatever i guess he can do whatever he wants he's in a psychiatric ward because they yes. had no evidence and before yes. we were so like why is he in jail him yep mm -hmm. also the parallels between him and charlotte uh because charlotte is also uh, he's investigating the death of the 33 sheep and charlotte is investigating the death of the birds Yes. So they each have these parallels in their investigations of yeah, finding that's dead kids out of their time, the dead animals. And it's like they spread out where Charlotte starts to Charlotte starts to figure this out herself, too. And then she's informed. And Egon is not. I mean, Egon he comes to the conclusion himself. Yeah. Yeah. And so does Charlotte. I think Charlotte, 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 Charlotte yeah. believes in time travel, too, when she pieces all this evidence together. We yeah. just don't realize that that's what's happening. Yeah. And I mean, really, they they kind of follow the same trajectory because they were both in the same role at the police station, both investigating the same cases, and they both came to the same realization on their own. Um, This is a random find. Uh, Creator's Pleasure to Kill cover looks like this. That's the cover of the album. Guess what's on Adam's wall? Oh, God oh, damn. Oh, it Good does look so Peter similar to The Fall of the Damned. The Fall of the Damned. Yeah. Good fucking cult. No, yep. this was definitely, this was done on purpose. Ah, 1985. Hold on. Okay, pause, pause, fucking pause. Yeah. I have to do something. I have to do something. The roles are reversed. Do you see creators? The composition is the same. But, the, but who's winning is wrong. Look at it. Creator has Satan winning on top. Yeah. And in The Fall of the Damned, the Archangel Michael is winning. It's yeah. two alternate versions of the same fucking thing. Are you kidding me, show? <laughs> Was that the original art? Was that a happy accident? Or did they create a new album art for the show like they that's did? The like they changed the the name. That's the original yeah, the art. Signature. Wow. That's such a great like production yeah. catch. Oh. Hey, hold on. I'm, I'm going to blow your minds in a second. Are you ready? Yes, I'm so ready. Ooh. Okay. So the composition is almost the exact same in terms of like a negative space and like. The, yeah. And the, the light and the shadow. And yeah. Um, but but so. what kills me is like, look at look at the t look at the creator album one. Look at the clouds specifically. Do you see? I'm it's literally reversed to the second actual image where what is light is dark. They're alt worlds yep. of each other. It's insane. How did we miss that? My God. But what's what's interesting about this is, I mean, this is a happy accident. It has to be. Because if that's the original album art from the 80s, and that is an original painting from whenever it was, like the 1700s, then yeah. it's it's just visually very similar. No, but they may uh, potentially have found it and been like, well, we're going to use Creator because it represents this. I doubt they put it in the show without realizing this first. Oh, I'm sure they, they realized the visual similarities. And also, let's not forget that the song that Ulrich quotes yes. throughout the show, 
his lyrics hit at 33 seconds in into yeah. the song yeah. so i mean they fucking found it and went this I would is just perfect also like to say is this that, um, the album pre-adric? cover overlaid onto yes. the other one yeah yes. yeah holy fuck <gasps> hold on remember okay Egon is distracted from the conversation by his marital problems. He asked Daniel Convald yeah. if he and his wife still have sex, only he can't get any words out to ask directly. Daniel is amused that Egon is such a prude and that he and Doris aren't having sex at all. He explains to Egon that marriage isn't the happily ever after the story says it is. The wife gets wrapped up in the kids, so the husband needs to look somewhere else for sexual satisfaction. This is the natural order of things, according to the Wyndon police chief. First of all, that's three Wyndon police chiefs who have had affairs. Affairs, yeah. Yep. It never occurs to Daniel that his wife might be getting something on the side, too, and from someone who knows what they're doing, the way Doris is. Before Daniel can advise Egon on where to block the tender young buds, he suggests Egon sleep with, instead of his wife, another officer throws open the door to announce that Helg has been found. So, I'm sorry, but this goes back to the idea that he was i know yeah 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 shit so is that implying that he's into young women yes. and potentially yes. did molest his daughter inez well so this article then goes on to say daniel is so creepy you know he's hitting on the babysitters when he drives them home Ugh. this line is uh evidence that that daniel maybe was molesting his own daughter yeah Fuck. yeah so gross yep yeah, so gross man that's fucked up i apologize I was like, I don't know if I believe that. I'm now more on your side in your theory. Yeah. You might be right, Annie. You might be right. It it feels like we haven't covered as much as we normally do, but I actually think it's a lot of little tiny gems about Aegon. Like the fact that that line, the more lives I take, the better I feel, is what Claudia sort of says to him before he dies. How do you mean? She says children's lives... They're nothing compared to the scientific discovery. And he's like, you you have no heart. It's not exactly the same, but it's the thing that haunts him. And then eventually sort of is in his face right before he dies. Oh man, my heart. 1954, Egon brings home a bouquet of flowers, but the only one there is young Claudia. Uh, This is right after in 1954, Egon meets old Claudia. Yeah. When she comes to him. Yeah. He affectionately calls her his princess know-it-all. He tells her that he thinks he met a witch. Claudia doesn't believe him. Yeah. She asks if the flowers are for her mother. When he says they are, she replies, you're too much of a good person, Papa. The world doesn't deserve you. That's because Claudia knows mom's having an affair with Agnes, right? Yeah. I think that's the showrunner saying that to Egon a little bit, too. Yeah. That's what I was saying earlier. It's like, you don't deserve to go through this timeline, this, this time loop. Yeah. Because you're not of this world. You don't, the world doesn't deserve you. Again, there is no excuse for what he has done. But I think Doris is already involved in her affair. They're already in a non-working marriage. Doris is gay and she doesn't really like realize or have that come to fruition until Agnes is there in her presence. But we already know that they are not intimate or that they're kind of struggling. And Aegon doesn't understand why, you know, because he has that conversation with Daniel and in my brain, Doris is already out the door. She's she's cheating. She's having an affair. And Aegon doesn't realize it. And it's strange to me that Aegon's affair is what pushes Doris out the door. But she's already out the door. In my mind, that was just solidifying. Yeah, this isn't... You're right. Yeah. I shouldn't be here either. Yeah. So yeah. She's, she was going to leave regardless, in my opinion. And it wasn't... It breaks my heart, really, truly, that Aegon seeking affection elsewhere when his wife is already gone so of course he kind of when he sees it in hannah he's like oh you know and he gets wrapped up in this i get it i understand it doesn't excuse it but i understand the behavior um because he's not getting that affection from his wife because she's already kind of you know one foot out the fucking door it's just sad it just makes me sad and then what really kind of tipped me over the edge was Aegon's reaction to hannah being pregnant i was like that's totally not cool dude yeah but what kills me is that he just kind of has this like idealistic world of how things should be or idealistic vision of how things should be and then when he realizes that's not how the world works he drinks himself to death essentially you know he just gives up yeah and he gets eaten up by cancer that makes a certain sense to me the disillusionment the power of a real disillusionment the breaking down of idealism yeah oh my god what the song that they play during this episode she's right huh Bonaparte, um, in this article, she represents this. Bonaparte Melody X. What are the lyrics? No, no. 
God damn, oh my the God, show oh my is God, so oh my good. God. Okay. What? what? Okay, every day is the same old song until everything right goes wrong. You keep the light on, you keep the light on, you keep the night light on. Hold your broken dream up high. Oh, you know you try, you know you try. It's the worst case scenario lullaby. The rent is just a little too late. There ain't gonna be no birthday cake. What? This, even the cops Wait, come and knock plain? on your door and the, and the pills, pills spill out on the floor. This is, something's gotta change, something gotta, this is it, man. This is Aegon's fucking song. Try to soothe yourself to sleep, my dear. You know this whole mess is born from fear. Oh my God. When is this playing in the show? This is during the episode where everyone confronts their ghost. So season two, episode three. Wow. That is absolutely Aegon's song. Okay. Shout out to this article. I'm going to fucking link it. I'm so shocked that I haven't found it. Um, written by Metacrone on metawitches.com. And it is dark season two, episode three ghosts i can't believe they call the episode ghosts too yeah so we'll, we'll 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 talk more about that uh next week yeah for the other episodes but man shout out to metacron because that is some serious detective work and i am impressed all the people who write this blog are, are a mother-daughter duo fuck yeah they are oh my god oh my god i'm obsessed with this blog what else are they watching <laughs> I, that's what i was thinking oh this makes me so happy what ultra carbon yes so shout out to that article because there's a lot of stuff that we're referencing that, you know, we discovered because of this article. So I like to make sure that we are giving credit where credit's due because all that research came from from the Meta Witches. Just and a cool... I'm obsessed with them. Yep. I am yeah. also now obsessed. They also include so many screenshots and just I feel like they dive just as hard as we do. Yeah, that that is why I'm in love with them. It's it's us. Yeah. Just in blog form. So I know that we were all over the place with this episode. At least it feels like that. But <laughs> I do feel like there were a lot of really cool tidbits about Aegon. And I championed to have a whole episode dedicated to Aegon because I felt like I felt like he was important. I just couldn't put my finger on why. And I'm so glad that I did because then going back and looking at this and realizing, you know, he's one of the only characters that comes to this conclusion on his own. He has so many little tidbits. There was just something about him that I loved from the very beginning. Even, even with his affair with uh, Hannah, I still felt soft on him. And I, w I wanted to just take time to talk about him as a person and as a character. And I didn't want him to be set aside or to fall into the background. Yeah. So I'm glad that we did this episode, even though it feels like we were all over the place. I feel like we hit a lot of cool hidden gems with him as a character. Does anybody else have any other final thoughts on Aegon before we wrap up? Just that have a newfound appreciation for him. Yeah. Yeah. I love him. I love him. He's Poor sad. Guy. Tragic. Yeah. 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 If I were Egon, I'd drink too. Wow. Okay. Can we not end there though? <laughs> <laughs> if I were Egon, I'd I would drink, drink too. too. Yeah. yeah. Oof. Um, well, you know what? We could end on the fact that he was idealistic, mm -hmm. methodical, obsessive, cared so much about doing a good job and being a good person. And he is the one who by tooth and nail finds out what happens yeah. and what's going on. And despite everything around him fighting that and trying to keep him from that information, he did good. Yeah. And in the end, he got to break out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He solved the thing that he spent his whole life trying to solve. He got there. Yep. Even if it killed him. Yep. Even if it killed yep. him. Yep. What a better end for him than letting the cancer consume him. Yes. Yeah. Actually. Than falling prey to the timeline. He actually figures it out. It's yeah. a horrific way to go, obviously. Your daughter and you fighting over the phone. And, you know, that's not a great ending experience. But, yeah. That's it for Aegon. Uh, we are a little over halfway through mm -hmm. this podcast. And yeah. like we've mentioned in a previous episode, we have all of our episodes mapped out. And so from here to the very end... We are entering Endgame, folks. We're going to be covering the big topics in mm -hmm. the next half of the podcast. So buckle up, get your rewatch on, and get ready because yep. we're in Endgame territory now. Coming up, we've got Claudia, we've got Jonas, we've got Marta, we've got all, we've got Sigmundus. Like, just here we go. Yeah. How fitting that Aegon is our turning point. Oh my God. Yes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. That's poetic. We just uh, discovered the truth. Yeah. And now it's just like speeding on. Yep. Yep. 
with that, I think it's time to do some shout outs. Oh, yes. Hello. I think I'll go first because yes. I'm the second in the thing. That's right. I am Murgles. Nice to see you. I am an animator and a storyboard artist and I stream on Twitch as well. So if you want to check out, I'm making an animated film on that channel. So if you want to see how animated films get made, uh, you can see that on my Twitch, twitch.tv slash Murgles. You can oh. also follow me on Twitter. Yes. We got to shout out the dark companion that came in and said hello to us. <gasps> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Doxy, I think. They, yeah. 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 They came in to see me, too. It oh, was so amazing. Great. Yeah. 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 So it was so cool. good. Shout out to Joxy. Joxy Lenox. Yeah. So thank you so much, Joxy Lenox, for coming in and saying hello. And the, uh, the three of us were in my chat at that time, which was super awesome for me. And it was super great to, to hear that you're enjoying the podcast. So. Yeah. Um, if you do like the podcast and you are unsure about whether or not it would be weird if you came into our Twitch stream and said that you listened to it, don't. Please it's don't amazing. feel that way. Yeah. Please just yeah. come say hi because that was the cool. Yeah. That was so fucking was cool. So that was cool, so cool. Man. Yeah. <laughs> so it yes. also it kind of feels like a little bit secret society esque. You know, where yeah. it's like, hey, because they came in and were like, the dark three is here. And it went, oh, yeah. we know that, you know, that we know that like yeah. we, we all watch <laughs> this show and we all have these theories and this thing about the show. It just felt really cool. It was really neat. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. It's like um, when you are a super fan of something and you're wearing like a merchandise or a shirt or something that casually references the thing that you love and somebody else sees it at the coffee shop and is like, oh, you watch that show. I also watch that show or or they don't even do that. They're just like, love your shirt. And you're like, oh, yeah, there goes a fan like I. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Like when I go to Starbucks happens. in my full Hogwarts uniform and, oh, yeah. you know, I just I wonder, does anyone know? <laughs> what i'm referencing here i hope someone's gonna see it i've had that with certain things you know where i i wear it and it feels obscure like nobody's gonna notice it and then just somebody casually is like hey i like your shirt and you're like you know my favorite merch is the like subtle merch Mm -hmm. yeah 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 it doesn't say dark but it's just a yellow trench coat exactly or yellow rain jacket rather The one Mads oh, wears yes, when he goes the, missing. That yellow shirt. Right, I yes. like that one. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah, shout anyway. Out. So that's that's me. Uh, and also, if you want to follow me on Twitter for other things, you can find me at Twitter.com slash Merkels. Thank you so much for having me. Also, y'all. Trinkets is up. Yes. Trinkets is up. Yes. Go watch so it. You can go watch it on Vimeo. Search for Trinkets on Vimeo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Acorn. Yes, I'm Acorn. You can find me online at Acorn Bandit and also on joysons.com, J-O-I-S-A-N-S.com, where I make enamel pins. You can also follow along my novel writing journey at ffxthenovel.com, where I'm writing a, a novelization of Final Fantasy X to commemorate the 20-year anniversary. So that's going to be happening for the next uh, seven months, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a fun time. But that's that's pretty much it for me. Yay! Thank you, thank Yay. you, thank you. Um, and I'm PB or Pumpkinberry. You can find me on the internet at twitch.tv slash pumpkinberry. That's where I live stream nearly every day. Um, so you can come say hi to me there. You can also find me on Twitter at pumpkinberry. I really like narrative games that have a story and metaphor that we can dive into. Recently, we just did uh, an entire Silent Hill series run. I, okay, I take that back. It's not an entire run, but we played about six games of the Silent Hill series and dove into all the meaning and hidden metaphors. So if you like that, come check that out. And right now we're doing uh, Final Fantasy VI, and boy, it's a delight. So yeah, if you'd like, come say hi to me. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And of course, if we've missed anything, you can tweet us individually or use the hashtag darkcompanionpod or email us at darkcompanionpod at gmail.com. And of course, special thanks to you, Johnny, for always letting us use the beautiful cover art. You can find Johnny at Johnny Knight, and that is spelled J-H-O-N-Y-K-N-I-G-H-T, and find him on Twitter. We are also proudly part of the Geek Generation Network. You can find more awesome podcasts related to cool, nerdy things like TV, comics, and movies at thegeekgeneration.com. Thank you so much for diving into Dark, and we'll be back next Thursday with episode number 18, which is Alexander and Regina. Yeah. Woohoo. So see you next week. Bye. Bye.